Welcome, tribe, to In Them Their Hills, discovering the gold in the people, places, and events of a Lumpkin County. Broadcasting from Lumpkin County Schools in the Office of Community Engagement, I'm your host, Jason Limley. Note that this episode of In Them Their Hills contains references to mental health disorders and the possible impact of such disorders on our local youth today. Although not discussed in detail, the content contained herein references anxiety, depression, isolation, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. And while this is only episode two in our first season of In Them Their Hills, and we are tackling another heavy topic today, we hope that our listeners benefit from hearing today's guests and partner with us to help our students and one another find the gold that exists in everyone. Hello. Hello. Good Sunday morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Before we continue with this phone call, some quick background information will provide the needed context. This is a conversation between me and a former Lumpkin County High School teacher, Mrs. Jessica Reed, who now works in Forsyth County Schools. This phone call is in reference to a past student of Mrs. Reed. And having not spoken about this with Mrs. Reed since it happened years ago, the phone call you are about to hear is raw and unrehearsed. Okay, I I know this phone call is out of left field, but I hope you understand why I'm making it. And there's really no reason to delay, so I'm just going to get to it. I've contemplated um, whether or not to have this conversation with you so many times in my head over the past four years. And although it's only been four years, it's possible that maybe my memory of this is just inaccurate. And if so, this will be a really short conversation. Um, But anytime I think of that phone call that I made to you in the spring of 2017, I get like full body chills and my eyes kind of begin to water and it just takes me back there very quickly. Just a vivid memory. So that's what kind of convinces me that my memory of, of that conversation that I had with you on the phone four years ago, although a very, very short conversation is is ingrained kind of in my mind. Do you remember me making a phone call to you like a little over four years ago? Yeah. So there's there's a few things to unpack with this. Um, I remember it vividly. Everything that you said is true. And I feel the same way about it. And I work now with my um, student teacher at the time. Now she's a teacher. But we both talk about this often because she was with me in your office years before that um, as my shadow to see a parent-teacher conference. And I remember going... I don't remember... Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, I, in my memory, I don't remember. I remember that meeting. I don't know how, was she in the whole meeting, that whole long conference? Yeah, the entire thing. And I I asked. I remember her in there, but okay. Yeah. And she, she was just as upset about it as I was after we left that conference, just because you took it seriously. And that was the most 
supported I've ever felt as a teacher coming to an administrator and, and really having this gut instinct that something was not right. And I think about that often for lots of reasons, because I, I don't feel as taken seriously in some instances. And I always want to be like, listen, I have a reason. Like, I swear that my gut is usually spot on, you know? And, um, so there's that. And then there's also the fact that anytime anything ever happens where I feel like I have to go to an administrator and report something like that, um, I think about it. I think about how I can't not because of that situation. And then not that I don't want to hear from you, but, but I, every time I do hear from you, I'm taken back. Like, you know, I, I, I get that like kind of like trigger. Yeah. Yeah. But right when you said, like when you opened up the conversation, like with something to the effect of, I, I don't want to, I didn't want to have to make this phone call or something like that. I knew, I knew it. And I just like dropped to the floor to my knees and started crying because I just knew I, I had this like really yeah crazy feeling. So and that's, so, yeah. So that's, that's what, so that's what I remember is, mm-hmm. you know, your excitement, you know, cause I just kind of calling you out of the blue on a, mm-hmm. on an afternoon and then me being like, Hey, um, I really, I've, I got something I have to tell you. I really don't want to, you know, I wish I wasn't having to give you this news and that's all I, I said. It. And you said it it out loud. And I, I mean, right now I've got, of course, full Mm -hmm. body chills again, because we, I don't, I mean, before, before that conversation on the phone, going back, you know, it was more than two full years that, that, that conference had happened two years previous Mm -hmm. to that. Like how many times did we have a conversation about that student or, or our concerns Mm -hmm. between that conference and, and that phone call. I mean, it wasn't I, to my memory. It wasn't like we talked about it often or no. for you to be able to when me when I'm with me saying, hey, I got something I really don't want to, you know, I hate having to share this with you. And then for you to just automatically like out loud say, oh, my gosh, you committed suicide. No. It's like what? Yeah. I mean, did we have other conversations between the time of that conference and and that about this student and our concerns? Or did we both just kind of like know that there was just some some concern that we had? And I don't know. I think there were a few like in passing. They weren't as serious. And I just said, like, I'm concerned and, you know, I'm just I'm concerned. And those were the kind of things that we talked about. And that was it. you know, there's a sense of responsibility. And so you hope that you had conversations before then you hope that you did everything, but you're right. I don't really after that, because I felt like we had done all that we could do. So I feel like we didn't, we kind of put it to bed, you know, like the whole, the whole thing thinking maybe hopefully we are overreacting and hopefully nothing will come of it. Yeah. So, you know, four years later, we've both had more tragedies, I'm sure in our professional Mm -hmm. and our personal lives. What do we know now that might be different from what we knew then about similar situations? And, and if we do know anything differently, like would you do anything differently now? 
I'd like to think that I would confront the students. I think I do that more often now, um, have conversations with them and have those. And then I feel more comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations. Um, and I think I'm more aware of trusting my gut and I don't feel as overreactive, if that's even a word, um, to report every little thing and to confront every little thing. Whereas like, I think then I was, um, I don't know, I, I wasn't teaching for very long at that point and, um, I hadn't experienced anything like that. So I think I thought like, Oh, this, it'll never happen to me. I'll never have that situation ever happen to me. I think I learned to trust myself more. Um, but you know, it's, that's like such a different situation because I don't know that I've ever experienced anything like that because of just the community that Lumpkin County is, you know? Yeah. So. Although the conversation with Mrs. Reed on our shared experience of losing a student to suicide was a difficult conversation to have, The reality is that removing the stigma from mental health is an important topic in every community. If you or someone you know is in crisis, contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK or dial 911 in case of an emergency. Stay tuned for the second part of this episode of In Them There Hills, where I continue this conversation. I'll be back momentarily. In our last episode, to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11, we went back in time to reminisce on a different America, an America where neighbors found the gold in their fellow neighbors, and the differences between us didn't seem so different after all. To continue in that same vein, perhaps looking inward will produce a desired result of togetherness and unity. Because we can't be the best student, the best teacher, the best parent, child, friend, or neighbor if we don't first take care of ourselves, both physically and mentally. In the last 18 months since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, another epidemic grew even stronger. With so many people out of work, at home, without normal social interactions, and with the increased health concerns for both the medically fragile as well as the seemingly healthy, the mental health crisis in America worsened. Not only are the number of youth searching for help with their mental health increasing, but throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, youth ages 11 through 17 have been more likely than any other age group to score for moderate to severe symptoms of anxiety and depression. Armed with this information, Lumpkin County Schools saw a need to recruit and hire two licensed mental health practitioners for our students. Today, I've invited these two counselors in to discuss what they are seeing in our youth 
and how they are helping our students discover the gold within themselves one day at a time. Welcome to my two guests today, our new mental health counselors for Lumpkin County Schools. Welcome to Mrs. Kelly Crisson and Mrs. Jessica Knup. Good morning. How are y'all? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. So uh, today we're going to explore the idea of students finding the gold within themselves um, on our podcast and and helping our students through um, what might be a pretty tough couple of years and, and other things that have transpired in their lives. And our school system made the decision um, at the end of last year to hire these two new positions, uh, our mental health counselors, two counselors that are dedicated to just the mental health uh, aspect of our students moving forward. And that's what both of you have joined our tribe to accomplish. And we are so excited to have you in Lumpkin County Schools. And I'm excited to have you here today. So we're going to jump right into it. Tell me, what are you seeing so far um, as far as the mental health trends for our youth in Lumpkin County? I think overall, um, the last couple of years, students, you know, we, we already know that our students in Lumpkin are very resilient. Um, I think the COVID pandemic has, has proven that. Um, however, you know, we're in uncharted territory right now. Um, and so I think that we've, uh, overall, we've seen a lot of increase in anxiety. Um, we're in the unknown, not only for students, but for parents as well. Jessica, would you agree? I think one of the other things we're seeing is a lot of depression too. Um, I we were on a a meeting yesterday and they were talking about how when we have forced isolation, which is what we just kind of came out of, right? We came out of a year and a half of forced isolation, and um, we're going to see the effects of that on our mental health and our students' mental health for the next seven years to come. An upswing in depression, anxiety, and I definitely think that Kelly and I are are seeing that now with our students who are reaching out and want counseling to help navigate what's going on in their lives. So we have, you know, almost 3,800 students in Lumpkin County schools. And, and although we have counselors um, at, at all three of our elementary schools and two counselors at the middle school and, and three counselors at the high school, you know, their role is really about um, guidance and, and being a guidance counselor. And you guys have specific training in, in mental health um, and you're licensed in, in that area as well. So what is your caseload like? There's just two of you and, and 3,700 students. So explain to me like how you break that up and, and what does a normal day look like for you? So kind of to, to maybe a, draw a picture for you. So currently our need right now, if we had full-time therapists to see the current caseload of um, kids that are in therapy that are getting school-based therapy and the kids that are on our waiting list, we would need 10 dedicated therapists that worked full-time to be able to see all of the kids that we have right now um, that want to get counseling on a regular basis. So how are you managing if you if if you say that the looking at just the numbers, you know, it it says we need 10 counselors or 10 therapists to cover this caseload, then what are you doing to manage those numbers and how are we making sure that that we're providing the needed services to our students? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So we're um, connecting a lot with our outside providers, our community resources. We have providers that um, are able to come into the school district and provide uh, counseling during the school day, um, which is a huge um, blessing for us. And that is a huge help too. Um, So they see a majority of our kids right now because Kelly and I could not do do it on our own. Um, outside of that, we're, we're starting to get really creative. We're trying to um, implement support groups um, that have different topics and themes so that we're getting multiple kids in um, and seen at the same time. I think our, our school-based guidance counselors are an excellent support. They see the students daily. You know, between them and the teachers, they make great connections. Um, but a lot of what they do is is uh, classroom guidance and, and teaching those coping skills. So as parents reach out to us, I guess one of the benefits of COVID is the increase in telemental health services. So we have, in addition to our community partners who are coming into the building, we also have several telehealth options for students to see providers during the day via Skype or, or Zoom, um, in addition to seeing them at home if they, if they choose to do so. What's the process? How does, a, how does a teacher or a student themselves or a parent, what's the process that they go through um, to make sure that we're reaching and, and getting the help our students need during this time? So the first step would be for um, students to reach out to their school-based counselor, um, and they can do that, you know, via you know, making an appointment or just going by their office. Uh, they can also send an email. If they're not comfortable with that, they can reach out to a teacher who can additionally reach out to the counselor. Uh, parents can also, you know, send an email or give the counselor a call. Jessica and I receive our referrals from the school-based counselors. Um, they let us know what the need of the student is. Um, we reach out to the family verify, you know, what type of services they're looking for, what type of insurance they have so that we can pair them with the best um, outpatient provider. Our mission in Lumpkin County Schools is educating and empowering lifelong learners. And although a big part of what we do in Lumpkin County Schools is preparing our students for a career or for college and what they're going to do after they receive that high school diploma, as far as a a career or post-secondary education is concerned, there's really there's really a lot more to preparing students to be successful. What about your job and what you're doing for Lumpkin County Schools um, is helping to prepare students to be empowered um, and to be lifelong learners? So we really look at the child, you know, the whole child and um if you think of it as the four quadrants, right? So we've got academics, we got physical and we have social and emotional. And if we are only looking at one or two of those components, say we only look at academics and physical, we're missing half of the child, right? We have to be addressing all four quadrants in order to be creating students that are going to be successful in the workforce, whatever that looks like for them for years to come in the future. We don't want to be creating kids who are academically sound, but don't have coping skills and can't handle the stress that life brings us as adults. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what what parents can do to partner with the school system to ensure that their students um, are are empowered to be these lifelong learners and are are really um, going to be successful in in life. What is the job of, of the parent? 
Right. So I think a lot of those conversations um, we would love to see start at home, you know, and and just having a check in with your students. I mean, as I mentioned before, we're all in unprecedented times and, and you know, COVID has uh, even parents. We're experiencing something we've never experienced before. So checking in with your students and checking on their mental health and having those tough conversations to say, you know, do you feel like you need to talk to someone further about this? And a lot of times students choose not to talk to parents or, or would feel more comfortable talking to a third party who's not affiliated with the school or or at home. And I think that, you know, checking in to see where they want to go and what their plans are post-secondary and how um, how that they can help them be successful. They can also, you know, speak to their school counselors to identify some of the coping skills that they feel like their student needs to improve on. When, when we were all growing up, uh, I believe that, you know, we've come a long way from then as far as, as far as mental health and, um, and removing or, or overcoming the stigma of mental health. But do you, do you feel like there's still a stigma, um, that exists, um, in our community or or in, in society in general, that there's a stigma for, for, for people, um, seeking help for their mental health and for things like anxiety and depression is, does that stigma still exist? Absolutely. I think especially where we are in rural North Georgia, um, that there there absolutely is still a stigma associated with mental health. I think that um, in the last 10, 20 years, we've made great strides to, to help reduce that. And I hope that over the next few years, these positions can also help to reduce that as we're, you know, increasing the number of, of groups that we're having within the school system um, to address some of those mental health needs. But the but the need is there. Um, I feel like in the next few years, we'll see the need increase. Um, it's not going away. Um, and as Jessica mentioned earlier, in order for our students to be prepared for the next chapter of their lives, we need to be addressing this now and what better time to do that, um, you know, than while they're within our system and we're able to help make those connections, not only with teachers, but counselors. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we um, we partnered with Northeast Georgia Medical Center and ran a grief support group. And I tell my students all the time, you know, we we talked to them about who, who would be interested in whether they had lost um, a loved one close to them or a friend. Um, and these were students that walking down the halls, they would they would not, you know, cross the same uh, friend group or, or social group. But after that group, it ran for six weeks. And after that group, each of those students shared with me that they were so thankful that they could just walk the halls and know that someone else had experienced a life um, tragedy that they had. And so I think that as we, as we work hard to reduce those stigmas that we're also building relationships and students are, you know, they're able to help each other through some of those tough times and and sharing um, the experiences that they've, they've been through. I've heard people say that we're living in the age of anxiety um, and that, you know, describing us as an anxious people, um, anxiety has almost become, you know, the evidence of achievement. And I feel like we've minimized the reality of anxiety while simultaneously elevating, you know, just the idea of just people being busy or, or business. Um, wh- what do you, 
how do you feel about that? Do you feel like we are living in the age of anxiety or, and that we're just an anxious people or, you know, what can we do about that? I think that's a great question. And I agree. I think that, um, you know, you hear a lot of people say there's still the same amount of hours in the day as there was 30 years ago. So I think that we still have the time. I think there's a lot more pressures on not only students, but, you know, adults in general. I think social media plays a huge part in that, um, that we're constantly, you know, looking or scrolling and trying to make those connections. And we we fail um, as a society, in my opinion, we fail to just take time and and disconnect and and be present with where we are in the moment and look around us and enjoy the things that we have and the people that we have. Um, Jessica and I have had many conversations, um, you know, that our students in a lot of the coping skills, they lack the ability to have conversation. You know, we can text and we can um, communicate over social media, but a lot of a lot of our kids are missing the basic ability to have conversations and socialize with other people. And I think a lot of times that creates anxiety. In the last year and a half, a lot of our students were home. And so returning back to the classroom and, you know, 20 or 30 kids um, having to, you know, be face to face again and make those conversations happen. um, Yeah, I think that that causes a lot of anxiety. As we wrap up today's episode, I'm going to ask each of you one final question. Um, Kelly, tell me tell me one thing that that you think um, students can do to to really refocus and um, and and work on their their mental health. I think it's important for students to make sure that they're making connections with people, not only uh, their peers, but their teachers as well. If they're not involved in some type of extracurricular activity, now is a fantastic time to talk to your counselor. Maybe you're not sure what direction to go in, but now would be a great time to talk to your school-based counselor about uh, areas that interest you and some extracurricular activities um, to help you be more involved. And same question to you, Jessica, what's what's your tip or, or tips for our students um, to really uh, address this mental health crisis? I think some of them are really basic, um, especially in our high paced society. Get off social media for a little bit. Go outside, go to bed early, make sure you're getting good sleep, uh, talk to others, ask for help. You know, the bottom line really is, is we can't help people if we don't know that they're hurting. So you have to reach out. All right. Thank you for coming in early today to spend some time with me as we work together to educate the whole child and help our students find the gold within themselves. I know that your schedules are busy and I sincerely appreciate the work that you're doing for the youth of Lumpkin County. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Let whatever you do today be enough. Sometimes you find yourself in the middle of nowhere, and sometimes in the middle of nowhere, you find yourself. Believe in yourself. Even if you don't, pretend you do, and at some point, you will. Train your mind to see the good in everything. Positivity is a choice. Be kind, work hard, stay humble, and smile often. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm telling you it's going to be worth it. Life is tough, but so are you. Your entire life can really change in a year. You just have to love yourself enough to know you deserve more. 
be brave enough to demand more, and be disciplined enough to work for more. Join me back on our next episode of In Them Thar Hills as we continue highlighting what makes Dahlonega and the Lumpkin County community rich. You can find In Them Thar Hills on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you go for your podcast listening pleasure. Until next time, follow at Lumpkin County Schools on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for current and engaging nuggets of information. 